Hello again, my friends, to another edition of Deep Dives with Father Sean, the Super Catholic Catechesis Podcast. This is inspired by the Catechism's reminder that times of renewal in the Church are also intense moments of catechesis. That's why I love doing this, get Jesus into our very depths of our being. Uh, we got to be excellent in prose on our basic proclamation of the Gospel. And then for those who have received that basic proclamation of the gospel, we got to set them on fire with some excellent, extraordinary catechesis so that Jesus gets into every nitty-gritty of our mind, of our heart, of our will, of our emotions, of our life, of our habits, of our homes, of our relationships, all these different things. That's the role of catechesis, and that's the depths of a person's conversion. And I love doing this. I love doing this. We've been talking about the church here. We're going to dive right back on in here. Today, let's see, we've we've talked about the church being one. The church is united together. God didn't create two churches. He didn't create three churches. He didn't create zero churches. He created one church, and it's unified. He also created a church that is holy, called to be separate, pulled out of the world, uniquely divine, and, and to, he called them us into the depths of of sanctification. And today we're talking about that he has established the church as Catholic, as Catholic. Very good. So let's dive on in. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We praise you, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for letting us be members of the church. Should anyone be listening who's not a member of the church, we ask that you give them the grace to be enlightened and to be filled with the desire to enter into the church, into this beautiful, holy, Catholic reality. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for everything. Uh, Open our hearts and minds today. Give me the words I need to proclaim this little corner of your gospel. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, very good. The church is Catholic. That's what I'm saying. I don't have anything else to say today. Thanks for tuning in to another round of Deep Dives of Father Sean. No, just kidding. So, what does it mean? Well, there's a saint who was, well, what years was he? I think he was in the years 300, somewhere in the 300s. His name was St. Cyril, St. Cyril. And he offered four different ways of understanding Catholicity, this, this concept of being Catholic. So first off, he talks about that the church is Catholic because the church is universal. It's spread out everywhere. It's called to be in every little corner of the world. Go and preach the gospel to all nations, Jesus said, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem and then to Judea and then beyond. So that's what they did, and that's what we are still doing. So this first meaning of being Catholic is universal. That's kind of the more simple, accessible understanding of this word. Um, It's cool to think that there are Catholics in every country. There, I really don't think, are any, any exceptions. And it's neat to meet people from these different places. I remember during COVID, uh, there was a guy from China who contacted me. I'd never met him before, but somehow he, we had a mutual friend, a mutual group of friends, I guess it would be. And so we, we prayed the rosary together every, every day. <laughs> so it's kind of neat. Well, I think maybe we started every day and then we went to every once a week. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was kind of neat to chit chat with him and hear about his faith experience over there. So we're covering the globe. This is the plan. We're taking our little corner of the cosmos, that's to say the earth, and just handing it over to God. That's the church's role. 
So that's the first meaning of being Catholic, to be universal, spread out everywhere. Secondly, it is according to the whole. Kata in Greek means according to, and then holos, kata, holos, Catholic. That's where we get the word Catholic from. According to the whole, according to the whole enchilada. You know, you're not getting a half of the enchilada. You're not getting the insides. You're not just getting the tortilla. You're not getting this, that, and the other. You get the whole thing. You get the whole thing. That is to say, the Catholic Church teaches the complete doctrine that man should know about God. Now, that man can know about God. Not to say we can know everything, but what can be known, well, that's what the church teaches. And she is willing to declare on things that are essential for the faith. So it's about the entirety of the doctrine. But then the church also calls to the completeness of discipleship. The way of life is maximized, lived wholly in the Catholic Church. You know, saints do this really, really well. There's really not a lot of people who do it. <laughs> but, uh, but this is what it is, that we might not be so good at it, but at least the fullness of the call and the invitation is there. That whatever Jesus invited us to, and whatever resources he gave to the church for our discipleship, that's what the church proclaims. We might not be able to, we might not be very good at reminding people about it, but it is there. It is part of the treasury of the church. It's kind of like a tool belt. Uh, you know, you got a tool belt there, and you know, there's some people who got a hammer, a screwdriver, but they might not have a wrench. And there's not everyone who gets the full, absolutely full tool belt. But then there is such thing as a full tool belt, and that's the Catholic Church. We have everything that Jesus Christ gives us. Just because I have a, a hammer in my tool belt does not mean that I'm good at using my hammer. That's to say, you know, let's think about the church. Just because the church has the sacrament of anointing of the sick, well, that doesn't mean that maybe someone is good at receiving the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. You can use whatever sacrament you like. Just because the church has all the scriptures doesn't mean that the church is necessarily good at proclaiming the scriptures. So we're not talking about the abilities of the people in the church. We're talking about the institution, the organism of the church as a whole, that we have the fullness of the teachings and the fullness of the means, fullness of teaching and the fullness of means. So because we are Kataholos, we're Catholic, we're according to the whole, the whole thing, the whole church that Christ established. So that's the second way that St. Cyril defines Catholicism. The second way is, or excuse me, the third way is that the church is Catholic because it treats and heals every kind of sin and, any, and promotes any possible virtue. So this is a universal application of the faith. Wherever there's a sickness, wherever there's a spiritual ill, wherever there's a worry or a fear, whatever it is, the church of Jesus Christ has a response for that, has a response for that. And the church is to treat and heal every kind of evil in the world. And also it is to lift up the, up the world to, to bestow every possible virtue, every, every single little virtue there. Again, doesn't mean that we're good at it, but the church does have the resources to, to treat every kind of ill 
and to lift up to every form of virtue. That's kind of cool. You don't think about that very often when we think about universality, Catholicism. We think of Catholicity a lot of times as, oh, yeah, we're spread out everywhere in the world. But it's also like, no, for each and every person, Catholicism is also to treat every single one of our spiritual ills. And should we even be physically ill, then then the Catholic Church gives us the tools to be able to address that appropriately and lifts us up to every single virtue. Again, not every single person will have all the virtues equally. Some will express more hospitality. Others will express more generosity, whatever it might be. But it's just kind of cool that the church is universal in its application, in its healing dimension, in its sanctification. The fourth understanding of Catholicity, being Catholic, is that it subjects all universally to the authority of Christ, to his worship, to his worship, to his authority. That's kind of like a king. If there was one king of the whole world, he would be the universal king, and everyone would be under his authority. And they, well, you wouldn't worship a king, hopefully, but you might um, give him honor, and that honor would be bestowed upon him universally. And it's very similar with Christ. The church brings all to his authority and to his domain and to his kingship and also, we don't merely give him honor, but we give him total and absolute worship. We bow down our faces. We do not keep back anything for ourselves. We lay it all before him, the king. So that's also kind of a unique way <coughs> to understand Catholicity, being Catholic, that everything is, is subject to him. He is the universal king. And the church is the universal bride of that king who is always pointing to the king and brings all peoples to his authority and to his worship. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says, yep, all these things are good. I agree totally with St. Cyril. He is the bomb. I'm also going to add, he goes on to say that there's also the universality of history, that all of history has been in some way marked by the church of Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, I can understand from Jesus to the end of time, but what about beforehand? Well, Thomas Aquinas goes on to address that question, and he says, hey, look, there were traces of the church way back to the beginning with Abel, who gave God right worship. And wherever there's right worship, there is some some dimension of the church there. Not in its fullness. No one's saying that it's in its fullness, but it's in its reality nonetheless, even though it's a shadowy, vague form of it. So that's kind of cool that that the church is Catholic in that it touches every moment of history. How cool is that? And it is uniquely through the blood of Jesus that even Abram, Abram, oh, I can't speak here, Abel was, was saved. He wasn't saved because he did well. He was saved because Jesus Christ died for him, even though it was many thousands of years later. Kind of neat, kind of awesome. Jesus Christ being the Lord of history means that he brings to himself this church who also has a touch on all of history. So we are Catholic, but 
how did we become Catholic? So we've talked about kind of what this means, but how did we get to this point here? And I've already kind of alluded to it. You might be able to guess. Well, it's this relationship of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. This relationship is significant. Jesus Christ handed himself over for the church. And so the church has the fullness of Jesus. Jesus is the whole. Jesus is the fullness. And if the Christ has all of Jesus, well, then the church has all that Jesus has, the fullness of teaching, the fullness of discipleship. The church has him, Jesus, as its pearl of great price. He is worth selling everything for, giving up everything for, in order to have him in our possession to cherish him. It is amazing that Jesus Christ limits himself not just by becoming man, not just through the sacrament of the Eucharist by becoming what looks like bread, and but also to the point of him going up to heaven and saying, y'all got it, <laughs> take my message and run. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you're insane, Jesus. You trust us way more than I think I would ever trust us. <laughs> but he, he gave us his teaching. He gave us uh, his authority. He gave us his mission. And we are to accomplish that in a universal uh, way, a way that touches every moment of time, every person across the world, every nation, and every, every, everything. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, here's a, a little bit of a challenge here. What do you think about this? Uh, well, let me say this. He draws all to himself. This is another way that the church is Catholic. He, Jesus draws himself draws all to himself. He does that through the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the soul of the church. The humanity is the body of it, and the soul is is the Holy Spirit. And that means that all are destined, all have this capability for receiving God. Kapox Dei. We are Kapox Dei. We're capable of God. And so there's this universality there. The church has been drawn first to the one Lord, and then sent with the gift of the Lord to the rest of the world. So it's kind of being a, a universal drawing and a universal sending. Kind of cool. So, all right, very good. The church embraces all. Um, all the world. What does that mean? This word world is a tricky, tricky little thing here. Um, because we hear that God so loved the world that he gave up his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus totally, totally, totally does love the world. There's no doubt about that. And that must be because the world in some way is good. And however, we also hear Jesus say, do not love the world or anything in the world. You don't hear that phrase quite as much as, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I, I need to specify, Jesus did not say that. The Holy Spirit said it in Scripture from the first letter of John, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Okay, that's, that is kind of odd. What's going on here? Because isn't this faith supposed to be Catholic, supposed to be universal, and it's supposed to embrace everything? Well, the answer is no. We embrace only good. And every person is good. Every moment of history is good. Although every corner of the globe is good. But however, we can define the world in its badness as the cravings of the flesh, the craving of the eyes, and the pride of life. So all these 
bad desires that we have that that stir us in bad directions. We have good desires. Our desires are originally good, but they get misdirected. Um, the craving of the eyes. You know, we want much. We have greed. We have envy. We have all these different things like that. The pride of life. I want to be in charge. I want to be the 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 king of my life. I want to decide what's what my purpose is. I don't want to have to submit that to God. So all these things that we have in the world are bad, and we should not associate with them. We should disassociate with them. We should cast them forth and not love it. It's not lovable because it's a lack of goodness. It's an absence of goodness. It's it's like, oh, do you want to love the shadow? No, I love the light. And these bad cravings, these lusts that we have, these urges, these desires, these focuses that we have are are not good they're the absence of goodness they they spin us into chaos and we got to cast that part of the world away you know there's bad tv shows we can't watch there's bad movies we can't watch there's there's music we should not listen to there's tv all these different things there's friends that we can't associate with because they just spew the badness of the world at us and they catch us up in that. We we can't afford to do that. We gotta love their person, but but we we don't have to love their way of life. And if their way of life is imposing its pollution upon me, yeah, we have to separate ourselves. That's super sad, but it is a must. The world is good as well. What does it mean that the world is good? We just talked about the world being bad. Well the world is good as it exists in creation. God created the light. He saw that it was good. God separated the, the, the land from the waters. He saw that it was good. He created human beings, and he saw that it was very good. So we know that God created the world good, and that's the part of the world that we love. So therefore, we can kind of bring some synthesis to this by that, I don't know about synthesis, it's important to define the world as bad. It's important to define the world as good. But then it's also to it's important to see how this combines here. Jesus helps us. Jesus says, be in the world, not of the world. So to be in the world, not of the world. Let's talk about those one at a time here. Uh, and again, this is all under this theme of Catholicity, that the church is universal. What does it mean that the church is universal? Well, the church is universal to that which truly is. And when there is an absence of existence or being, well, there's an absence of goodness as well. And that's not what the church uh, is present. The church is good in, the, in, in true actuality of presence, not an absence. So we're, we are to be in the world, not of the world. To be in the world means that we take this holiness, we take this relationship we have with Jesus, we take our, our faith into the created world, into your workplace, into your grocery store, into your family, into your group of friends. You take it everywhere. You take it to go see a movie. You take it to, you know, at, there at your house in your free time. You take it as you explore whatever you're looking at on the phone. And that's what a Christian is called to do. We got to bring this holiness of Jesus Christ to all the corners of the world. And because his light wants to shine there. This is part of having this universal mission of the church. The church is destined to be in every corner of the world. And it ain't going to get there unless you bring it there. God has entrusted to you a particular corner of the cosmos. And 
You know, he went up to heaven. He's ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He continues to live in this world, but he continues to live in this world through you and me. And if you don't bring that shining light into your corner of the world, it will remain in darkness. If you are not the good Christian at your workplace or at the grocery store or in your sports team, maybe no one else will. Maybe someone else will, but it certainly won't be thanks to you. You know, God has given to you your work. He's given to you your families and friends. And if you bring light there, that will be awesome. And if you choose not to, the darkness will remain unless someone else takes away that darkness. But again, it will not be thanks to you. This is the role of the lady in the world, to get in the world always with that light and to shine that light of Jesus Christ out there. Me as a priest, I can't do that. Uh, that is not my calling. God has given me a unique corner of the world, and that is to to support people at the parish, to be a pastor of people, and to help you know your vocation to get out there into the world. Your role isn't to be a church rat. You live your vocation probably better as a gym rat. <laughs> you know, this is how it is. Bring your faith everywhere you go. We got to come to the church. We need to receive that encouragement. We, if we don't have a light to give, we ain't giving any light. You know, if, we, if we're not well fed, we're not going to be able to give other people food. It's kind of like in an airplane. Please, in case of an emergency and there's no oxygen, put the mask over your face first before you help a child do it. That's exactly what's going on here. In order to get into the world, we have to come to Christ. We've got to care for ourselves. We have to be nourished by him. And then we got to get out there and shine his light out there. So that's the first part. Be in the world, but not of the world. So as you get in the world, it's, there's going to be risks. There's going to be people who want to steal your faith away. They're going to want to put a, uh, a bucket, a bushel over your lamp. But we got to let that light shine. So we can't afford to be of the world. We lose our witness and we fail in our mission. This is your mission in life. Yeah, okay, your mission might include, um, you know, I don't know what, having specific family or, or kids or, or friends or have doing some kind of a, a job in the workplace that is an excellent mission for the world, a great meaning. But, but you're to do that as a Christian. That is your fundamental first vocation. If you can't do it as a Christian... You can't do it. You can't do it because you can't be of the world. You got to be in the world, but you can't be of the world. You can't let yourself get polluted. You can't get yourself uh, filled with darkness. You know, if if you can't be an artist, let's say, or in a th uh, in a theater play, um, you know, I I want to see great art. I want to see wonderful Christian, Catholic, beautiful, good uh, drama productions. But if the environment is not if you're too weak to be able to thrive in that environment with with people maybe who are not of strong faith, you know, you can't be of the world. It's going to affect you. It's going to pollute you. If your workplace is is bringing you down and you're not strong enough of a Christian to to endure, you'll find a different find a different job. You know, it's not always that easy, but but don't let yourself be polluted. Like Jesus says, don't fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the soul. If your soul is at risk, get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of that friendship. Get out of you know whatever relationship, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Get out of there. If it's your phone that's causing you to be polluted, get rid of your phone. Like, holy cow. Jesus even gives a stronger example. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your phone causes you to sin, chuck it out the window. 
your spiritual soul is your prized possession. And if it's going to be polluted and have you risk eternity away from God, wake up and get out of there. We must be in the world, but not of the world. Being in the world has risks. This is the nature of the life that we live in, the world that we live in. But be nourished by Scripture. Be nourished by sacrament, especially the Eucharist. If you do end up getting polluted in different ways, find a way out of that. Strengthen yourself to resist. Uh, confess your sins. Receive forgiveness. Be strong. Continue to pray. This is who we are. So I thought I would include this a little bit with Catholicity because Catholicity is it's getting out there everywhere. It touches everything. It's, it's the universality of it. But, but we need to make a distinction when we talk about world uh, because we don't call the church one holy, worldly church. We call it Catholic church. Worldly would also have the sense of it's the whole world, but, but there's also a nuance we got to have with that vocabulary. We can't be of the world, but we must be in the world. So my brothers and sisters, get in there, but stay pure, stay holy. This has been another issue of Deep Dives with Father Sean, the Super Catholic Catechesis podcast. Leave a review. If it's a good review, share it with a friend. Send it on over to whoever you like. Uh, tune in again for next time for the last episode of this series on the church where I will address apostolicity, uh, apostolic, the church being apostolic. Peace to you. God bless you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah.